Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Uh, we're going to start in the book of John, and so I want to invite you there. If you need a Bible, you can put in your lap. There's some on the side of the tech booth. If you are a user of the Bible app, feel free to open and find our live event. Um, you can follow along there. Um, what I will say is, please go ahead and warm your fingers up. We're going to do some flipping today. Um, this is an abnormal kind of sermon uh, for us. Normally, we kind of take one passage and drill down on it. Uh, we're going to bounce around a little bit more today just because we're trying uh, to make kind of a singular point. We're in this... Um, excuse me, in this series about decisions. How do we make godly decisions? How do we um, follow his leadership um, in uh, the, the ways that he's leading us as we live out our lives? You know, wh- where are we supposed to work and where are we supposed to go and what are we supposed to do? And th- the kind of big questions that uh, uh, come along to us. So in, in light of that, uh, last week, just in summary, is God wants to be our guide. We would prefer a map. That's not what he's offering. He's offering to be our guide because that is relational. And that, that is the thing that he wants us to do is to relate to him. So those who know God the best know what his will is the best. Those who know God well know his will. Um, and in order to know God, um, we need to be people who are rooted in his word. And so the, the therefore is, therefore, those who understand and, and build their lives on the word of God, not only know God, but also know his will. So he clearly reveals his will in his word. That's today. That's what we're after. Um, and I'm going to give you kind of uh, five different things um, that God clearly has revealed. Hey, this is his will. Now, let me back up and say, there are some who say God uh, kind of does the thing that, um, you know, s- some of us do as parents because we're like this, um, where, you know, they'll say, hey, do you want this? And then like you switch it to the other hand real quick and you, you know, trick your kid. Some people think God's like that. No, that's me. That's not God. Okay. Um, God, he's not hiding his will out there beyond Pluto or pick your, pick your favorite celestial body. What he's offering is I am your guide. You come walk with me, know me, and you will understand of what, I, what the things are that I desire for you. He is a father. He is your friend. He is your counselor. He is not trying to hide anything from you. Okay, so with all of that in mind, God's will uh, is clearly revealed in his word. Let's start in John uh, chapter 6. And as I said, you kind of keep your fingers nimble there if you have a... a um, a Bible in front of you here. Verse, we're going to start in verse um, 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will not cast out. That's such good news, yeah? It's good news to me. Um, I, I hope it is to you. Verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. Oh, oh. So, I mean, right here, it's very clear. This is the will of him who sent me. That I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father. See, this is clear as can be. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So when we talk about God's word reveals God's will, the very first thing that we can say is that it is his will for you and me to relate rightly to God. That's what we would start with. It is his will that you and I relate rightly to God. Um, how do we do that? Well, it says in verse 40, whoever looks on the sun, looks on the sun. In other words, and it's, it's, a, it's a metaphorical uh, phrase there, um, but because what, what, what it's pointing to is, man, we want to put our trust 
in Jesus. And not just like some of our trust or our Sunday trust or our religious trust or this trust over here. But we want to trust in trust our entire lives to this king of ours, to this, uh, to this savior of ours, to the one that we follow. We want to say to him, you, Jesus, are Lord. And you are not just the Lord, but you are my Lord. You are Lord of my life. I trust you with my entire life. There are parts of us, um, and uh, depending upon the kind of background we grew up with, that want to segment or compartmentalize our lives. God, you can have this, but I'm going to hold on to this. God, there's a, a thing over here um, that, that I'm glad to give, but, but um, anybody have a junk drawer in your house? Anybody? You don't open the junk drawer for two reasons. Number one, it's dangerous in there, yeah? Number two, it's potentially really embarrassing. And some of us approach God like that. Hey, God, please take my living room. Please take the kitchen, all that kind of stuff. Oh, don't open the junk drawer. And if that's you, listen to me. Whoever comes to him, he will not cast out. You don't have stuff in your junk drawer that scares him away. Some say, well, that dude, listen, in our day and in our age, uh, coming to Jesus, trusting him with your entire life, that sounds very exclusive. And I will say to you, that is incredibly exclusive. Later in the Gospel of John, he says specifically, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is making a very exclusive claim. When uh, uh, people argue in culture, um, all, all rows lead up uh, to the top and you know that kind of thing, this, Jesus is standing against that in its totality and saying, no, that's true. That is not true. That is complete falsehood. I am the only way to be rightly related to God. He came, I mean, he died uh, on a cross and for our sins, paying the debt that we can never pay. And he rose again by, in, in doing so, purchasing us uh, for us favor that we can never earn on our own. This is what Jesus has done. That's terribly exclusive. Yes, yes it is. But it's also the promise that he offers is very inclusive. It is a universal offer to anyone. Anybody who looks on the sun can be saved. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter the junk that's in your junk drawer. It doesn't matter uh, how much shame you have um, uh, following you around. It doesn't matter how much baggage you feel like, oh, golly, I've got to bring all this stuff with me. Listen to me. Whoever comes to him, he will not cast out. That is good news for you and for me. Relate rightly to God. And the way that we do that is to trust Jesus with our entire life. Um, secondly, and th- these get increasingly practical. And um, in, in doing so, I just want to point out, like, God is very much connected to our everyday life. Secondly, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, verse 1, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance and their extreme poverty, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. They were taking a collection to do some relief work in Jerusalem where some bad stuff was happening. And that's what he's talking about. That's the context. Verse 3. They gave according to their means, as I can testify, and um, beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And here, here's, the, here's the, the part right here we want to hold on to. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, trusting Jesus with their entire lives, first to the Lord, and then um, by the will of God to us. Meaning what? They, they, they gave themselves to, 
God, and then they connected with his people. It is the will of God that we connect with church. In our day and in our age, with all the stuff that's been going on in our, you know, past three years or so, just all the craziness, it's important to say um, that th- this is part of it. The gospel, the good news that Jesus has come, he has died, um, he has risen again. The gospel creates a new person in you. You are a, If you have put your trust in Jesus, you are a new person. But it also creates a new people. You and I, together, we're in this. We have brothers and sisters. As you just heard these girls testify. We have brothers and sisters in Nicaragua today worshiping Jesus. They're brothers and sisters. They're family. Now, are there parts of our family that are a little crazier than others? I mean, you know, yeah, it's true. But we're still family. Church is family. It is a committed network of relationships. Did you see the kind of language here? They were begging us to participate in this. Like, dude, we want in. Let me in on this. I want in on this. It is a a committed network of relationships. Why do we um, dedicate uh, these babies and their parents. And why do we dedicate ourselves as the church to these parents? Because they can't do it alone. I mean, they're really smart people. They are. They're really smart, both of them. They can't do it alone. You and I can't either. So we we are giving ourselves in relationship um, to one another. Um, Excuse me. uh, The the next part of this is that we weren't ever meant um, to do it alone. From, from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2, God parades all the animals in front of Adam as the story goes. There, there's not a, somebody there for him. So he creates someone for him. It is not good that man should be alone. And it's true in our faith too. Some people think, I don't need church. No, 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 you do need church. In fact, you not only need church for the support that uh, you will need inevitably. You also need church because you can't fulfill the things that God says if you don't have church. I'll just give you one example quickly. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If I am doing it on my own, or if you're out there doing it on your own and you've got a burden, I can't bear that burden because you're over there on your own. So I'm not fulfilling the law of Christ. I'm not obeying. I'm not being able to do the things that the Bible asks of me and Jesus tells me is the best way to live because I'm disconnected. Connect with church. Um, last thing on this, I'll just uh, point this out. In Hebrews chapter 10, um, this is verse 24, 25. Uh, this is what it says. Let us consider how to stir one another up toward love and good works. Let's just pause right there for a second. Does anybody ever have something that they know they should do, but you're like, no, dude, I don't want to do that. Every so often, we need a kind of kick in our pants to say, no, no, I know you don't want to, but it's still the best way to do it. We need to go do this. Let's go do this. Where does that happen? That happens in church. And one, listen, one more time. If, if this, this right here, if this moment, this experience right here, where you're sitting in rows looking at somebody with a microphone, if this is your only expression of church, I want to invite you to the better expression, uh, meaning come out of the rows, get into a circle, get into a Sunday school class, get into a small group, get into a Bible study where you can look people in the eyes. Because this is church, where where we get to relate to people. It's a network of relationships, this committed network of relationships. Okay, I got off track here. Verse 25, um, and do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. Don't, don't, Don't pull back. 
Don't pull back. And all the more, as you see the day approaching, connect with the church. And the more practical this gets, um, the, the more uh, it will stand against some of the cultural trends and, and uh, streams that are flowing. And it just keeps going here. So turn now to First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Uh, bless you. We're going to be in chapter 5. First Thessalonians 5. Look at verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Here's our phrase. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God. So God's word reveals his will. One of the things it says is relate rightly to God by putting your trust in Jesus and giving him your entire life. One of the things that it says is um, connect with the people of God in the church. Here, here, be grateful. Uh, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. Now, um, d- please note, this is very important. Be thankful in all circumstances, not for all circumstances, yeah? It is sheer hypocrisy to stroll up on God and be like, hey, God, thank you so much that uh, this is really hard. And blah, blah, blah. If that's not coming from your heart, folks, that's not it. What we, the work that we do is to say, hey, look, we want to be a people who give thanks in all these things, not necessarily for all these things. Um, two, two things I'll just note here. One, God blesses you. And when he does, you should enjoy those blessings. Can we just like make room for that in our world? Like you should enjoy the blessings that God gives and say thanks. Somebody gives you a gift one of the things that you do is say, oh, thank you so much. Yes, you receive it. Yes, um, you use it for um, its intended purpose. And yes, you say thanks. Enjoy the blessings that God gives us and return thanks to him. But in this particular case, giving thanks in all circumstances at times means we also endure hardship and find something to be grateful for. God My world seems like it's falling apart right now and the darkness just may very well close in. What do you have to be grateful for in that moment right there? Well, here's one thing I know. Uh, And I'll just tell you, the language of the Psalms is so helpful to me in these moments. Here's one of them. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear any evil. Why? Why? Because you are with me. I may be walking in a really difficult place. But I'm not walking alone. God's with me. I I can find something to be grateful for in that. It is God's will that we be grateful. And if you are... um, If you're struggling to bring all of that in line... To bring your emotions in line with that. Here's what I want to say to you. Um, Think about the incredible grace that God has given to you. And if you think about the incredible grace that he has poured out in your lives, then guess what? Gratitude is one of the things that will come out of it. The more we realize the grace that has come in, the more gratitude uh, will be poured out. Be grateful. And just, again, think about how counter-cultural that is in our moment. A lot more griping than gratitude out there. The people of God have the most to be grateful for.
Turn one chapter earlier, chapter four. Verse one, finally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you receive from us, that as you uh, receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, you do so yet more and more. For um, you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So here is the will of God, that we be pure. And one more time, again, just how countercultural um, is this, that we be pure. The word that he uses there for sexual immorality is the word porneia, P-O-R-N-E-I-A. Yeah, everybody got it? Okay, it is a catch-all term, an umbrella term that says um, there are uh, various expressions of ways that, that we can um, uh, 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 give ourselves to our, our lusts and our desires that are outside of God's will. So one more time, we did this just a couple of weeks ago. I want to try to, in your mind, draw a circle. You got a circle? In your mind. Inside of that circle, fidelity. That circle is the marriage covenant between husband and wife. Inside of that circle, fidelity, faithfulness to one another. Outside of that circle, chastity. It's an old, old word. It means I I am willing um, to not be ruled by my passions and my lusts. I am going to submit myself to God. So inside of the covenant of marriage, fidelity, outside, chastity. Here we go, verse 3. It's the will of God, your sanctification, you abstain from sexual immorality. Here's Paul's commentary on that. Verse 4. Each one of you know how to control his own uh, body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't know God. So be pure. That is to control your body and don't let its impulses control you. Self-control still matters in our day and in our age. And the spirit, one of the, the fruit, uh, one of the aspects of the fruit that he bears in you, the very last one out of our, you know, song, love, joy, patience, self-control. That's the very last one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Continue reading verse six. Um, uh, that no one transgression wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. So we do good to others and we don't defraud them. Anytime we objectify someone else for our own uh, um, ends and desires and lusts. Anytime we we do that, um, we are defrauding them and those who love them. And lastly, we are to pursue a kind of holiness and wholeness um, in this sex, in this area of sexuality, uh, the, the world would say, "Hey, if if I can't give individual expression to my um, sexuality, do uh, the the way that I desire, the way that I want to, then I'm not a fulfilled human being." That's not how the Bible talks about this. This is a gift that we receive that has its proper context. Verse seven: God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. There are, therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives His Holy Spirit to you. Be pure. Inside the covenant of marriage, fidelity. Outside, chastity. Uh, last one. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors sent by him to punish those who do evil, praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as service of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Yeah. The, the final uh, way that we'll talk about just this morning, 
Relate rightly to God. Put your trust in Jesus. Connect with his people. Be grateful. Let grace produce gratitude in you. Uh, Be pure. Follow the ways that he has set out. And last one, honor authority. Honor authority. Um, What would that look like? I'll give you three words to just ponder here. One, to encourage godly um, leadership. Okay? To encourage it. Secondly, to affirm it. When you see it, you go, boy, that's, that's good stuff there. And lastly, to ultimately follow godly leadership. So those three things. This is what it looks like to honor authority, to encourage, affirm, and follow godly leadership. This is what we want to do. And these authorities that are in our lives, whether they be government or bosses or any number of other uh, authority structures that God has put in, when we encourage, we call out godly leadership, we want godly leadership from them. When we see it acting uh, with wisdom and peace and, and uh, goodness, then we affirm it. And when we ultimately uh, step into it and we follow it, these are all really important things. Christians often get criticized in these moments. In our particular day and age, it's probably different then. Back then, it was you're causing uh, trouble by saying there's a different king. In our particular day and age, I think it's a little bit more like you're not mad at the same things that I'm mad at with the same intensity at which I am mad at them. Is that fair? So Christians get criticized in that moment. I got good news, folks. We have a king. We can trust him. That's why it all starts where we started. What what Peter says here, I think it's just really important. Um, Verse uh, 15, this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Our best response to criticism is to get on our various social media platforms and just let people have it, yeah? Because we all, I mean, when you get on social media, you always win the argument, right? And you convince people and people are like, oh, wisdom has come down and posted. That is amazing. No. Our best response to criticism is our conduct. We can let people continue to argue. We have a life to live and people, genuine people to love. Neighbors to love. People to care for. Real, honest-to-goodness, flesh-and-blood folks that Jesus loves dearly. It is the best response to others' criticism to just get on about the business of doing what he says. Um, Last thing I will say on this, because some of us have a little rebellious in us. Yeah? If we cannot submit to the authorities, we can see. That kind of rebellion in us We'll make it so that we do not submit to the authority we do not see. To say it again, if we can't submit to the authorities we can see, boy, it is hard for us to submit to, submit to the one authority that we should submit to who we cannot see. If rebellion is in us, don't think it'll be only in one place. It will show up everywhere. It really will. For you and I to live as a person who has authority, we have to be people who are willing to be under authority. We talked about this just a couple of weeks ago. and I, I'm, I, One of the great lies in our, in our particular day and age goes something like this. Um, instead of standing under the authority that God has placed in our lives, we go, hey, I can do this on my own. And that becomes, I have to do this on my own. And that becomes... 
oh my goodness, I'm on my own. And we're multiple layers removed from where God wants us to be. And you talk about an anxiety-inducing world of craziness when you think to yourself, oh my gosh, I am on my own in this world. If we're going to be people of authority, we have to be people um, under authority. So last thing I'll say on this, like, but all of these things um, relate rightly to God and, and um, connect with the church and be grateful and pure and honor the authorities that God's put on our lives. That doesn't help us know if we're supposed to buy this house or that house, take this job or that job, does it? No. Remember, we're walking with a guide, a guide. Here's the last statement. If you align your life with what God says in his word, then what you can do is trust him that he will guide you in your specific decisions. If I'm saying to God, God, I really need to know, am I supposed to do this or am I supposed to do this? But I am living outside of his plan in any number of these areas. Then what I'm saying to God is, God, I'm not ready to follow you anyway. I'm not ready to put my life in your hands. But if I align my life with what God reveals to us, with what he says in his word, then you can trust that he will guide you in specific decisions. That's the transition to next week. So take an inventory. Are you rightly related to God? Is your life in the hands of Jesus? Are you connected to his people in a meaningful way? Are you grateful Has grace so permeated you that gratitude is what flows out of you? Are you living in the purity that he desires for you? Are you submitted to the authorities that he's placed? If you can say yes to those things, you can trust him to lead you in the specific decisions that you may face this week. Take inventory. See if there's something that you need to respond to. I'm going to pray for us. We'll have uh, just a brief moment of response and then um, a couple of announcements. Let's pray first, though. Father, um, in Jesus' name, I I pray that um, what has been said and the the ways that you've uh, diagnosed us here, they would stick with it. Like, it it would really dig down inside of us. And God, I I pray that, um, Father, I I ask that your spirit would continue to... uh, Put your finger there in in that place, wherever it may be in our lives. Put your finger there. Keep pressure on us until we notice and until we change. Whatever that looks like for us, Father, I pray it would be um, our experience in this moment because I know the things that you're asking us to do, the things you're even commanding us to do, these are not terrible things. These are good things. These are part of the plans to give us a future and a hope like we talked about last week. So help us, Lord. Help us be responsive. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.